was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. the southwest i'm amy cooper and i am here with some regulars here on glc although i never get to see them <laughs> <laughs> it is gary and carolyn bird so you guys have welcome back well Thank it's you. good to be back yes it is uh, we've it's been a while since we've done lights of the southwest it has been our yeah. schedules never seem to mesh on that no. but thank god they did this time yeah. The past year for you guys has been incredible. I've been sitting back, and when I hear what you're doing, I'm like, Lord, yeah. Lord, <laughs> where do you even want to start? All I can think is, I think the, bef the last time we did this, I don't know that you had been to the inauguration. No. There was just, we were so blessed in 2017 to do such an array of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was incredible. Mm -hmm all of the activities that God positioned us in. And, you know, we talked about it. She was raised on an egg ranch, and I was raised by an oil field construction worker. Um, neither one of us have any college education. Um, we don't have any of the, uh, what do you call it, the credentials. And God yet put us in so many places. And... Uh, I keep trying to tell people, it's, if you have a heart, if you love people and you love God, those two commandments, love God, love people, mm -hmm. and walk humbly. You know, that's the, he says to us in uh, the word of God that that's what we're supposed to do. Love justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. And, and that's what we do. Uh, we do not feel that we deserve to be where we got to go. And uh, how is that that we always remember that if we got what we deserve, yeah. if we were God, what we would dish out, <laughs> that we'd be toast? Yeah. 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 I mean, I know, you know, I've preached it. I've taught it. Uh, but boy, when you're experiencing it, Amy, and you're, you know, standing in front of a baron in Europe talking and, you know, we were in Germany and I, they were talking and the Baron was over there doing whatever the Baron does. And, and I said, I want to say something. And the leader said, well, let's hear. And when I started speaking, the Baron stopped what he was doing and turned over and started listening and was moved. Yeah. You, you could physically see he was moved by what we had said. And you know, you, you look at that and you have to give God credit, mm -hmm. you know, you know, before this Lights of the Southwest is over, we're going to share some of the things that we did across Europe. But it was amazing to us how God never failed us 
no matter the pressure we were under. I mean, there was times we were in really intense moments. Yes. And God promised us that the Holy Spirit would fill our mouth with the words. And mm -hmm. How can you take credit? You can't. You know, you have, and you have to give him glory. And when you tell the story, I know that there are people that say, well, he's just bragging or he's just talking, you know, and that wasn't it at all. We're giving God glory, but I'm not going to stop giving him glory by telling what he did. If and you stop giving him glory, you're finished. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to to have been able to do the uh, Bikers for Trump, you know, you we seen it firsthand because we were there and when now she didn't do the first ride with me um the, it was so bitter cold that day i asked her to stay in and the guys that went with me we rolled in with them and the people cheering us in the streets not one person said anything bad to us when we rolled through the streets of washington dc with bikers for trump and you hear all of this other stuff and you're going where did all that happen mm -hmm. you know um you you are really because you're getting to see so much that's actually happening around the world. Is it making you more acutely aware of the media control? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you when you see what you see and you hear what they report, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of like when we went to the inauguration. How long do we stand in line? Two hours at least or more. I thought it was three or four. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. That was a long time ago. ago. <laughs> well, no, I, you just lose track of time and stuff because it was so cold. And then we were just visiting with people all that time. So, you know. It was hours. Probably three hours anyway. We know. stood waiting to get in to the inauguration. And we're hearing, well, there's not very many people here. Well, it was part of their plan to keep everybody out, mm -hmm. you know. And we watching this take place and the the line of people, the that relationships, we built relationships with people in that line mm -hmm. that when we were in South Carolina, drove to South Carolina to the church that we was at to come to hear us speak wow. uh, from standing in the line in Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, how do you get that? The church where we spoke at in South Carolina, the guy we stood in line with in Washington, D.C. was a personal friend just went to a different church and, and God just has his body is so interconnected mm -hmm. when you make yourself available you start seeing how we truly are one body mm -hmm. and he truly has us connected uniquely yes. it, it's uh, I don't know we were amazed yeah we didn't know we didn't get into the inauguration it was over before we got probably a block and a half. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. We it was. Well, there was a riot just a, yeah. maybe a half a block in front of us. And so they shut everything down. They was breaking the windows and uh -huh. in the Well, building. that made the news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The oh, Starbucks yeah, did. thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that made news. But it, we didn't personally see it. No. And the guys standing around us. 98% of them was yay Trump, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we were experiencing a lot of the the joy, the festivities, even though all of us wasn't in there. We still enjoyed, you know, in fact, we were there, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, 
then then from there we went to uh march for life in dc now what was that like because i uh, you know that was astounding to me that vice president pence was there yes it was we've done it now i think four years mm -hmm. that we've been to the march for life we're going again this year actually this year um carolyn and i travel from here to oklahoma city and we'll be there eight days and then we fly to north carolina and we speak in a couple of churches over there and then we take a team of bikes from North Carolina to Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. And we march. We get through with it about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they are going to rush us to the airport. And we fly Friday afternoon to Oklahoma City, get up early Saturday morning, get on our motorcycles and ride to Dallas mm -hmm. and march in the pro-life march in Dallas, called, that's where Roe versus Wade was. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll be marching at that place. And then we get back on the motorcycle, ride back to Oklahoma City and get up the next morning and preach. And so, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. No, no moss growing on your wheels. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. When we started doing what we're doing, um, God just keeps opening up doors. And I'm of the opinion, you know, people say, well, you, you're supposed to pray and you're supposed to. I listened to a song, um, an old spiritual hymnal. Uh, it was special, I guess, for a while. But it, Jason Crabtree sang it. And, and it was, Lord, you open up the doors and I'll walk through them. How can, when, when the door opens, how can you say, well, I don't feel like going through them? You know, Jesus himself, I mean, he went until he slept through a storm. He was physically exhausted, you know, and I'm not into self-preservation. You know, I, I just believe that God will give us the energy and he'll give us the strength. I went recently for a doctor's appointment, you know, my annual little hootus thing. And the doctor took me off all medications. Hallelujah. And, you know, I mean... I, I lost 20 pounds and, uh, it, you know, I just got myself in a better position. And what caused it, well, when we went to Israel, those people know how to eat. And there's nothing to eat. Once you leave there, you can find nothing to eat for months. It was, and it was bread. And then there was people that found out I liked ice cream and we'd stop and they'd just bring me ice cream. And, and man, I blew up. You oh my know? goodness. And one guy looked at me and he said, I said, well, I'm just, I guess just going to enjoy this. He said, Gary, what if you could get five more years serving the Lord and doing the work if you took better care of yourself? You know, I went to slapping. <laughs> <laughs> but it caused me to lose 20 pounds. And, but I mean, you know, it's, it's the point is, is God's just opened up these doors and we just don't feel like as long as our energy's there, as long as God's given us health, given us provision. You know, really, I don't understand what it is about, especially the Christians in this country. It's like they don't know the efforts that the founding fathers went to. They have no clue about that. And then because of the documents that they created for us to have a republic... 
how much work it would take to maintain that. Yeah. You know, have you ever heard the, the saying that bad politicians are elected by good people who don't vote? Mm-hmm. Everybody has just been sitting back on their laurels. That's one thing that I'm hoping is changing. Please tell me that's changing. Are the events getting bigger? Are people getting more passionate there about is a, speaking up? I would I think, think there's a, a segment, even inside the church, there is, there is this element of people mm-hmm. that are waiting to be given a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember the name of the movie, but there were, we seen the previews of a movie uh, recently. It's a secular. And it, and it was, the guy said, my dad taught me when there is nobody to lead, you must become one. You know, in other words, if there's nobody else who's going to lead, somebody's got to step up and do it. And I, I think so many times, why us? You know, and yet when I go into these churches, there's men who are sitting there on their laurels because they don't know. Not everybody, it took me a long time to figure this out, but there's not everybody that can just go do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 my whole life, I mean, from teenage years, um, I didn't need anybody to say, let's go this direction. You know, I was always on the move. I was doing something. And I couldn't wrap my head around good people sitting in a pew because nobody told them where to go. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking just go do something, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Well, there are a lot of of ways that people can get involved. I mean, there is no need to, no end to volunteer work that's needed, Mm -hmm. you know, and... On several of our programs this this last season, especially Amy, we we would say, like if we was talking about veterans, look in your community. When you see one of them in the in the restaurant, when you see one in a store, go up and thank them. You know, we don't. You don't have to go and run for the wall. You, you don't have to go across Europe. There's people in our neighborhoods that are crying out that needs somebody just to touch them and love them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, the way we describe it is they got to have their head on a swivel. I, I walk my life with my head on a swivel looking for people that are hurting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, nowadays we talk about it that you don't have to look very far. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they're everywhere. And so I believe, back to your question, I believe that there are people sitting in those pews that are wanting to be rallied and once that that opportunity is given man they come out and they do the job i mean we have one man he's 72 him and his wife never had children so he has no grandchildren um they both were successful in the business world and they have a dollar ninety eight in the bank, mm-hmm. and we asked him, "Would you like to get involved with us?" You know, he heard the story. Uh, could could I help? And so we took him out, and he drove my old. I, 
our truck is a 1999 model that we use on Run for the Wall. And it's got 250,000 miles on it. And he drove it one year on Diaper Run and got out to California and there was no air conditioning in it. And he went back home, took $100,000 out of his savings account, bought a pickup and bought a trailer to go behind it. And he said, I was just waiting for somebody to ask me. And I'm, I'm telling you, those people are sitting in our pews. Right. And they, they have resources, they have time, they have a desire, they just don't know which way to go. Mm -hmm. And so answer your question, yeah, I think there is. And when we went to Washington, D.C., I think there was more people this year yeah. for the pro-life. Uh, they were bringing them in uh, in different states even by the bus loads. Especially, I believe, wasn't that the Catholic that mm -hmm. came in and just busloads of younger generation? And, and that's, you know, if we don't have them coming in, we're not going to have anybody to keep this going until it's dissolved, mm -hmm. you know. And um, but it was very interesting. It was very good. And we spoke to two or three different groups even. And uh, it was very encouraging to see them excited about what they were doing. And they had to travel so far and, you know, off work, you know, it was all on their penny. But they, it was well worth it to them. Some of the colleges drove 800 miles. Wow. And they, they didn't spend the night. They slept on the bus, did the march, got back on the bus and drove back. You know, really, it is up to us to fight the good fight. Yeah. right now in every area that we can yes. because once our generation is gone you talk about these younger kids when you see um, someone say in their 20s that's very pro-life and outspoken about it mm -hmm. think of the battle that they have on their hands with their generation because their generation has been taught that it's okay mm -hmm. and, right. you know God doesn't care. Right. You yeah. know, and we've let that happen. Our society has allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. And we've got to do all we can to help them so that when they're raising their children, it won't be over. Right. right. You know, one of the things on uh, the diaper run this year, I was coming across and I, I don't know when it happened. But it dawned on me, you remember when David faced Goliath, he said, is there not a cause? He said, and when he faced Goliath, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, how dare you to defy the name of the Lord God of the armies of Israel? Mm -hmm. And I looked that up, and that means to defame. Mm -hmm. and, and it dawned on me that every time there's an abortion, we're spitting in the face of God saying, you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. See, I have this saying every time that God wants to change the world, a baby's born. Mm. So, uh, well, you think about mm -hmm. it. Think about even just in the Bible, the times that there was mass genocide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But who did God bring forth? See, I think that the enemy senses that something God is about to birth someone that's why we did it with Moses. Right. That's why we did it at the time of Jesus' birth mm -hmm. with King Herod. Right. And God mightily used those people. Mm -hmm. God's trying to get people in here. He loves 
his creation. Right. Well, I, I, I agree. And we talk a lot when we do the diaper run, when we go to Washington, D.C. and Dallas, do these marches. We talk about the fact that we want to save those babies' lives because there are babies that may have the cure for cancer That's in right. their brain. You know, they may be the person that could lead this country into a state of peace. You know, we don't know who's being destroyed. That's right. We don't want those girls to live with the memory of destroying their body, their baby. Mm-hmm. And when we were in uh, Rock, Sergeant Rock, you remember him? Of course. When he and I was in Virginia about three years ago at a, a rally in uh, Richmond, the, a guy came up next to us and started talking to us. I mean, our patches, our vests, they, they, they kind of messes their head up that bikers are out there with pro-life, you know, that guys that ride motorcycles, you know, it's like we're in Greece one day and diapers the next, you know, I mean, they, they, they don't get it. And so they're always curious. We, we always have people talk to us. And, and so this guy come in, he asked us about it. And he said, have you ever thought about the guilt that men live with? Uh, no, I really hadn't. I thought they were probably the part of the abortion, you know, didn't want to have to deal with the responsibility. He said, my first son was aborted and I couldn't stop my wife from aborting him. He said, we were married. We just had a pregnancy out of the timing. And he said, I've lived all of these years. He would, I think at that time he had been like 28 years old. And he said, I've lived all these years with the guilt that I'm not much of a man that couldn't save my baby's life. And he's a veterinarian in, in New Mexico that had been at, gone to Richmond for this march. I mean, so we're not talking about some drug addict or some mm-hmm. what the world calls a loser. We're talking about a guy that everybody looks at and says, man, that's that guy's got it together. Mm-hmm. And yet he lived with a silent guilt. And so we we for the last two years, we've been talking about saving babies, saving people for the memories. But this year it became about we're going to defend the name of our God. We are not going to defy Psalms 139 that said all of your days were numbered before you even were conceived, that he put, he knitted our insides together. We're we're not going to negate the fact that God had a plan for that baby. And we're not going to let this, in our mind, we're not going to let this country go down without somebody screaming, Mm -hmm. you're defying God's name. Mm -hmm. Just like the homosexual that says, well, that's not, I'm, I'm, I'm a boy, not a girl. You're, you're spitting in God's face. God didn't make, God does not make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And if he says, you're a boy, you're a boy, you know? And, and so I just, to us, it's become um, a whole new level and I, of standing, you know, because it's about God. And really, that's where it should all begin. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't begin about a baby. It shouldn't begin about guilt. It should begin with God. And then these fall underneath God. He should be the first. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to repent. You have to remember, I'm, we rode 48 hours nonstop across country. Well, I say that we slept two and a half hours in just outside Abilene. But you you have so much time to think. 
And I repented. I said, God, forgive me for my labor becoming about your creation and not you. Mm -hmm. It should be about you, then your creation. Mm -hmm. Love God, then love man. And it put it in perspective for me. Um, I hope I'm communicating it. And you are. Because I think, I think once we get the priorities straight, then we'll have a chance to see God move. Mm -hmm. um, we have a better chance of positioning God once we get the order in line. And uh, It would help to make people more passionate if they would realize how great God is and why he hates the things he hates. Yeah. Why scripture says, I, I hate this because it is destruction yeah. to his creation that he loves. And it is our job because we're the ones who are physically here. That's right. We are the ones who are <clears throat> supposed to be implementing what he says is good. Yeah. You know, scripture tells us that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the reason that it tells us that is <clears throat> when you really begin to fear God, and I'm not going like, oh, no, you realize that his instructions were given to give us life not to take life from us, right. to give us abundant life, to protect us from destruction, because he did lay down the law about things. And then he told us, you choose blessing or you choose curse. Mm -hmm. Please choose life. Right, right. Please. Yeah. I'm yeah. begging you, choose life. This is what I want. But that's up to us. It is. And I read a... Um, a book by a lady from, I think it was England. And uh, she takes the book of Deuteronomy and lays it over any civilization, any, like when she, she was a missionary with YWAM. And like when she went into Africa, she took the book of Deuteronomy and just laid it over. And that's the, the if we understand it, God was teaching his people how to live as a community that chooses life. Mm -hmm. And he dealt with the details. Matter of fact, I never had, I mean, I've read it obviously, but it didn't click in me. But even the human waste, mm -hmm. he deals with it in the book of Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. You know, and we have churches that says, well, that stuff's not our problem. Our problem is just church, you know, the spiritual needs. Um, this lady quoted a guy who, thought that a city that had high church attendance would obviously be a good place to raise your family. And so this guy did all the research and he found that Dallas, Texas was the number one big city in our country that had the highest percentage of church attendance. And so they did, he went to the city to do an analysis of the city. He found the crime rate was high. He found health care was poor. Education was unequal. You know, that wasn't fair for everybody. He just, there was not one area socially that was good. And he went 
to the pastors of some large churches and he said, what do you have to say about that? And he said, without any deviation, every one of them said, those are not our problems. And until the church recognizes that his creation is our responsibility. Right. We, you know, we, I've had people when I, I tell them, I'm defending the name of the Lord. You know, man, I, I can get very passionate. I know. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, when I'm speaking at these rallies, you know, I, we're here defending the cause of God, his name, you know. And I had one guy come up and he says, God don't need you defending him. He's not defenseless. And it, I just looked at him, I did, you know, there's no sense in arguing with somebody that like that. And I just walked off and I thought, maybe he needs to go back and read the book. Mm-hmm. Because there, God had people that defended his name. And so... Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David <clears throat> saved the nation of Israel. Right. As a young man. Mm-hmm. Because he would not let God's name be defiled. That's it. Mm-hmm. It was about the nation. I mean, about God. And he saved the nation. That's right. Priorities. God first. You know, and I think. But he uh, had to stay focused because his family was against him. His brother says, why are you here? You're just here for show, you know, quote unquote. And the king tried to put him in. His armor, which is way too big. And so he had to speak up. This is not for me, this armor. And he, you know, and he just got refocused after his brother spoke to him. And so I think a lot of people get unfocused because of what people say or do. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, they just become. Well, what happened is everyone around him was really sending what to him? Discouragement. Yes. Right. And that's how the enemy works. Yes. That's right. He'll do anything and he'll use anybody to try to keep us from doing what the Lord wants us to do. Right. That is that is the absolute truth. We one when we were in London, we spent what, two weeks in London? Mm-hmm. And I got to speak at the school of ministry there and and I spoke at a church, and it was right across the street from a, a mosque, you know. And, and, and the, we pulled up on our motorcycles. You know, you don't sneak into any place with a Harley. No, not really. And <laughs> so we pulled in, and we're all wearing our Christian patches. You know, everybody was staring at us, you know. And, and it caused a lot of excitement, you know. And uh, we were there when the London Bridge was bombed. We, uh-huh. we got there about 2 o'clock. I think in in that residence mm-hmm. that afternoon, and it was bombed that night. Mm-hmm. And the next day, we're out riding, uh, riding with our patches on, and 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 uh, we're riding around the city of London. And the missionary there told us, he says, "Just your presence, you know. We believe because we was playing Christian music on our radios, and you know, you could, on a Harley, there's no windows to roll up, and so everybody's listening to them. The bikes and, are loud, the music's loud, <laughs> yeah, everything's loud. Exactly. And, and he said, "I just think it brought a peace, you know." And I got amazed when I when I got there uh, at that church that morning. I I asked him. I said, uh, "What was your thoughts?" Oh, we started praying for the people. I said, well, that was good, but what did he do after that? 
Because, man, when I heard the, the bombs and stuff, I mean, we weren't that far from them and stuff. And I heard all of the activity and, you know, the news is going crazy. And I don't know that we literally heard the bombs. Mm -mm. But, you know, I mean, the, the atmosphere, you knew what was going, something was going on. I said, and when I heard what it was, I said, God, should I get on my bike and go down? I don't even know where to go. But is there something I can do to intervene? I think that's something that every believer needs to condition their brain for. You know, instead of saying, oh, God, send somebody. Lord, here am I. Send me. Is Hanini. there something I can do? Here I am, Lord. Send yeah, me. Yeah. Wait, what can I do? I think this is why Scripture says pray for workers. Mm -hmm. yeah. The harvest is great. The workers are few. And That's don't right. we know it? Yes. Yeah. We've got to have more workers. That's right. And, and it really amazes me how uncomfortable leadership gets when you start talking like that because it requires them to lead into something like that because then they have people they're saying what are we going to do mm -hmm. you know and um we face that you know i never forget when kkk come to amarillo uh, i was out of town and when i came back in i had a string of bikers standing against the back wall of the church before service and I was not greeted with, hi, pastor, it's good to see you. It's, hey, Gary, what are we going to do about this problem? You know, we had, they expected me to lead them into something positive mm -hmm. in the midst of <clears throat> negativity. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we've done. Yes. We've, we're, we're people that don't just, say, we do pray. I, I, I want that yes. clearly understood. We spend a lot of time in praying. But we, we activate. And we... Um, we do something. I, have you ever heard of uh, uh, Chamberlain, uh, General Chamberlain from the Civil War? Uh, I think his first name was Joshua Chamberlain. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was the one who turned the Gettysburg battle. He was, he was on this hill, and the Gettysburg battle was going bad. And they told him, do not let them come through. And his troops... I think they had five bullets between each one of them had five bullets left or something like that. it was almost out of ammunition. They had been shot up. They were give out. And he called what they I think they call it the fifth wheel. And he made his men attack as they were outnumbered like three to one. And they attacked down the hill. And, and the enemy was looking at him going, oh, they must really be in big forces because they're attacking us instead of holding it safe. And they credit him for turning the tide of that battle. Because he knew if he just sat there, they were going to be defeated. That was it. And, and you know what? They asked him, they said, what is it that made you do that? And he said, and I, I've, I have patches made with this quote, quote on it in Latin. I have the inability to do nothing. And I have... I had patches made with my family crest on it, and I looked that up in Latin and put it on there, and it's in Latin with my name on it with our, birth, our family crest, and I gave it to every one of my kids and grandkids this past Christmas. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I want them to understand, I can't hear a story about Khalif Browder 
or I can't hear a story uh, about what happened to the Jews in, in the Holocaust. I can't hear a story about girls that are suffering because of an abortion. I can't hear that and go, oh, that's sad. I have the inability to do nothing. I got to do something. That's sad. Let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the being able to uh, go for the marches for life in January, um, we're going after that. Of course, we do run for the wall. Uh, Amy, what God has done with run for the wall. I mean, you it couldn't be scripted. Um, you know, we've been on here. We've told the story of how the first year we went. This is a military run. Maybe some of them that hadn't heard it before. This is a military run from California to Washington, D.C. to honor the POWs and the MIAs of all wars and to promote healing for the Vietnam veteran. That's how it started. And I went out in 2005, went halfway across uh, joined them in, I mean, in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And uh, I saw those guys, you know, hurting. Um, and I watched the church. We drove by a little bitty church over around Longview, Texas. It was on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and this lady came out of the choir. It had to be out of the church choir. I, just, I mean, I wasn't in there, but I just know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And she came out and she gave us a, a, the dirtiest look. Like, I mean, 700 Harleys ride by your church. You, you're going to mess the church service up. A little bit. And, you know, it's like, what are you doing messing us up? And then the next day I get to Alabama and a, a veteran of three wars came to me and he says, why isn't the church thanking us for the freedom of religion? And I said, I'm angry about it. We're going to fix it. And <laughs> and Carolyn and I was riding across. You remember that ride across Mississippi? The water was running out of here. Oh, your, yes. Was, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and they don't have a helmet you there. You live such a glamorous life, Carolyn. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> if people could see us not on TV, they would be shocked. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Oh. You know, it was so funny because, I mean, the water was pouring down mm. on us. And I didn't have a helmet. Tornadoes with a, was hitting down. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have a helmet with a face shield. And, uh, oh, my goodness. So I gave him mine. And I looked and he like scrunches this. his face because he couldn't <laughs> see. I said, it's got a windshield. I said, you've got to see. So he, got, so he scrunched it on, and we made it off. Out my, of, my face was so scrunched in your helmet. Yes. You know? Oh, I hope you took a picture of that. No. I, oh, no. It's writing too bad. No. It wasn't even on my mind. Okay, so yeah, Gary, there are viewers. We have new viewers right. that know nothing about Run for the Wall. So give the basics of that. When it happens, where it happens, how it happens, everything about it. Yeah, we, um, we leave Los Angeles 10 days prior to Memorial Day, that Wednesday. And we ride all the way across country on three routes. Uh, we have one that goes down Interstate 10 to pick up 20. We came, we come by Odessa. Uh, we sp- actually spend a night here, and then we go on down 20, and then we pick up another interstate and run up to Interstate 40, and then we, I forget that one little interstate there, and then we pick up another interstate, go up to 81, up to uh, 66, and go into Washington, D.C. Then we have another route that comes straight down I-40, 
over to North Carolina and they drop down to Fayetteville and then pick up 95 and go straight up. And then we have another route that I've never run and it goes up north on Highway Interstate 70 up through Colorado and that direction. And it's to honor our military. And the first year that I went out, you know, the, the stores closed down. Towns, not the big towns, but all these small towns around the country. We go through and they shut their stores down and they come out and they're holding flags. They, they turn the school out and all the kids come out on the streets and they're waving at us. Or they will have us come in and sit down and let the kids do a program for us. Or we'll go to the cafeteria and eat lunch with the kids in the school. It's just so patriotic, so you feel so thankful that you're an American when you get through, you know. We, we've lost some of that. Yes. And, and I, I left there going, man, I'm so thankful for our country. And I'm thankful for the people who kept us this way, you know, that gave their life that we could have freedom. And, and, um, but the church, as I said earlier, was not present. And when we came across Mississippi in that rainstorm, I remembered hearing, you know, I told you I have my head on a swivel. And I was saying, God, what can the church do? How can I position the church to make a statement to these men that we, we love them and we're thankful for them? And I heard the voice of a man say, how come only the road guards get free water and free Gatorade? How come all of the riders don't? And the road guards is kind of like the, the sheriffs of the run. They keep everybody in order and they block the roads for us. They do all that kind of safety stuff, which they needed the water and Gatorade. But everybody needed to be honored, not just the select few. And I heard that and it fit into my DNA. And so I call the route coordinator, the boss, if you will, of that southern route. And I said, sir, you don't know me. Uh, I'm a pastor in Amarillo, Texas, and I'm I'm really concerned about the veteran and I'm thankful for my freedom. And I would like to do something to express thanks from the church, not from me, but from the church. And I said, I would like to give hydration away. I have an old van and a big trailer. We'll fill it full of water. We'll take it across the country, give them water away. He said, um, I want you to know if you'd have called anybody else that you may have been told no. But he said two things. I'm a Christian and I've been praying for somebody to give hydration away. Wow. And we were, matter of fact, I sent him a note just the other day thanking him for that. And that was in 2005, the summer when I did that. And the, the first year we went out, they didn't want anything to do with me. And I'll never forget, they introduced me in front of the crowd and they said, he's, this is Gary Bird, he's gonna be doing hydration for us and he's gonna start a chaplain's corps. And this chaplain's corps is going to, when a motorcycle breaks down, they're gonna stop and help. If it's a wreck, the chaplains can get in the hospital, we'll have them there. He said, I really think it's gonna be a fix. And one of the guys used some foul language and said, we don't need any chaplains. And that's how I started. And then they, one of them tried to run me off the road doing 70 miles an hour. 
the, the chase vehicle with a trailer behind me saw what was happening, literally hit the car and knocked it into the ditch or it would have run over me. And we bikers, we will, we will take the, the punishment, the risk of pulling into a car not to hit another biker. We, you don't mm -hmm. hit your own. Mm -hmm. And so when he came at me, I wasn't going to hit him. And I moved 70 miles an hour into that lane. And fortunately, the guy reacted quick enough and, and I w didn't have any problem. I mean, you know, I was saved. And then later, a Marine got in my face and cussed me. I, I didn't know, you know, I've lived a pretty sheltered life. And I didn't know that you could put that many four-letter words in one sentence and make sense. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, he called me everything. And I just looked at him. I said, sir, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. I said, I, I promise you, I'll make you this one promise. I, my team is going to do a better job of serving you. And when we get through, you're going to say, man, I'm glad they were there. And he just looked. I mean, it was like water on the fire. Mm -hmm. And he just walked off shaking his head. They now depend on us. Mm -hmm. And... Amy, I just can't leave it without telling you, uh, in just a few weeks, Run for the Wall called me when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. And he said, I know M25 is, a, is people that help people. He said, what are you going to do for the victims in, at the hurricane? Well, that's not in what we do. <laughs> you know, I mean, I go help people who do that. I don't lead that. And I said, well, I work with a, a group called Drusa. And I had the director of Drusa, and he recorded in the studio this past week. And uh, he, he will be on one of our programs. And I called him. I said, hey, they're wanting to help. Run for the Wall sent us $22,000 to rebuild some homes down there. Our Drusa leaders, which is Disaster Relief USA, put in $28,000. So we have $50,000 and we're going to go down and rebuild five houses in five days mm -hmm. for people who are still suffering from the hurricane in Houston. Because there's still a lot of suffering going on down yes. there. Thousand homes. So thousands of homes is what I was told. And um, Well, that's exciting. You're ex expanding what you do. Okay, yeah. so I want to point out something. A little while ago, I was saying how we must act now so that these 20-year-olds who are willing to stand up for pro-life issues mm -hmm. to defend the defenseless won't be left devastated once our generation is gone. It's our responsibility to do something now to help them because what has come down the pike in our lifetimes. The same thing, Gary, has happened when it comes to the veterans and the church. See, the veterans wouldn't have such a negative attitude toward the church if the church would have been doing mm -hmm. what the church was supposed to have been doing all along. That's right, Amy. Okay, so here we are. And now, as the church, we have to get involved. 
Have to. You have to get involved because we got a lot of hurting veterans out there. Yeah. And we know Jesus is the answer, but you know what? If we don't start treating them with the respect they deserve and helping in any way we can as the church, it's not going to change. So tell people, Gary, if they want to get involved and run for the wall, what can they do? Well, there are so many places that we need people to help us. Um, of course, one of the things we do is we ask for churches to put their name on our banner. And that banner flies on the back of both trailers. Mm -hmm. And it lists all the churches. And it just says, these churches, thank you for, your, for serving. And people say, well, really, what difference does that matter? I've, I have had veterans stand there and read that list, just stand there looking at it, and tears pouring down their face. Go, I didn't know anybody cared. You know, I, I had one man look at me, he said, you really mean they care? And I said, yeah. Okay, so to get their name on the banner, that well, they means they've got to do something monetarily. 250 bucks is what oh, we asked. Oh, big whoop. And what that does is it helps to provide hydration or what? That's, that's how we pay for the fuel. What we do is we took 42 people in M25 from California to DC. We pay for all their lodging. We pay for all of the food that the run for oh, Wall don't cheap. provide. We buy all of the fuel, you know. Um, now, run for the Wall pays for the fuel one way for the chase vehicles and our hydration truck. Okay. But we pay for all of the other fuels. And we have to get, let's say that truck starts in North Carolina. We have four, four or five trucks coming out of North Carolina and South Carolina, we have to pay for the fuel all the way out there. And then they get to D.C., we pay for the fuel to get back home. So it's a, it's a health, about 40 grand is what it cost us to... Okay, when you say what it cost us, you're talking M25. M25, just mm -hmm. M25. So it's M25 that makes the banner listing the churches. It's right. not Run for the Wall that does that. No. It's you. That's M25. The banner is, has our logo on it. And they okay. know that we're activating churches in their behalf. Hallelujah. Yes. And so, you know, and another thing is they can go to rftw.us. R-F-T-W. Dot U-S. Okay. Instead of com, it's it, it run for the wall dot us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dot okay. us. You can pick out one of the routes mm -hmm. if you're anywhere close to them. You know, we've seen people drive 150 miles one way just to be there when the boys roll through town. Boys and girls, sorry. Yeah, and hold a flag. Uh, there's two things that three things that really blesses them, um, and that's a banner that says, thank you for serving. And if it's done with um, crayon and magic markers, they don't that's care. cool. You know, go up on a ban go on an overpass and hold up a banner that says, thank you for serving. The churches, thank you for serving. Anything like that. I've had them to say, jump off their bike and come and grab me and hug me and say, did you see that? Did you see that? I said, see what? They said, you see that banner on that overpass? I said, I finally got the welcome home that I deserved 40 years ago. Some of them have never felt that since they came home from Vietnam. You know, it wasn't until 
10, 15 years ago that I found out how badly our Vietnam veterans were treated when they came home. Oh, I terrible. was a kid. Mm -hmm. And when, when they were treating them so badly. Yeah. That kind of hurt, when you're laying down your life for your country, mm -hmm. yeah. that kind of hurt could never go away without people stepping up to the plate. You know, the way we teach it, in Matthew, the 14th chapter, when Jesus dealt with John the Baptist being beheaded, mm -hmm. said he was moved with compassion. When he got off the boat, he got himself together on the boat ride, got off the boat, looked out there. He saw a multitude of people. He was moved with compassion. Hey, you got to have love. Mm -hmm. And then it said he began to heal the sick. Amy, I can't tell you the thousands of miles I've ridden saying, God, please let me just touch some of them and heal them. Mm -hmm. You know? I can't do that. Mm -hmm. God can heal. And I don't, I don't defy the fact that God does supernaturally heal sometimes. You know, and, and I, I believe in healing. But the, I looked that word up because I was feeling guilty that maybe I wasn't spiritual enough or maybe I didn't have enough faith because I wasn't out there healing those veterans. Physically? Physically. And, and so... Um, I began to pray and, and the Lord took me back to the scripture and I looked up the Greek with a Strong's Concordance, what healing the sick meant. And it means to serve the weak. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Just go look at Strong's Dictionary and it says serving the weak. And so there's a lot of times we'll take an ace bandage into a service and we'll say it's like those veterans have this gaping cut here. And every time we listen to their story, it's a wrap. Mm -hmm. Every time we give a bottle of water weight, it's a wrap. Every time they see a banner, it's a wrap. Well, you can do that with any, any wound. But I really have been liberated by the fact that if I have love in my heart and I serve them with humility, mm -hmm. that God will bring the healing in his time, in his way. He'll do the work in that individual's mm -hmm. life as that individual allows it to happen. Mm -hmm. And so back to the question, what else can they do? Um, if they could be at those places, there's another thing that could happen is if you know our every gas stop is already listed on that RFTW.us. Every place we stop for gasoline. And we have a hydration trailer setting there. They could bring out their, their children. They love kids. Mm -hmm. Most of them have <clears throat> messed up their family because of their PTSD, their, their problems. You, you, you know, the, our guest, Bill Terry, was talking about his dad was a veteran of World War II and Korean War and how he wasn't really a dad, you know, because... He, when he was home, he secluded himself. He was dealing with what he had to see. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the guys live with that guilt. Besides the guilt and the pain of the war, they're dealing with their family. So when a little kid comes up to them, and they, if they'll just take a piece of paper and a crayon and make a flag on there or uh, draw a stick man and put a, a rifle in his hand or... I mean, I've seen all kinds of little pieces of paper and, it, and they open it up and says, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for serving. Mm -hmm. And then they put their name on it. 
I know this one guy, he was meaner than a junkyard dog. And I walked lightly around him on the run. You just, if you did anything he didn't like, he would growl at you, you know. And these, these kids had made a bunch of these little cards up. And I handed him one of them. And I said, here, I just want to give you one of these that somebody made for you. Okay. Took it. And I watched him out of the corner of my eye. He walked around the corner. We was all eating. He walked around the corner. And he pulled that thing out. And he's reading it. And I can't see what his face. But I'm watching his hands. And he's doing this. Oh. The rap. Mm -hmm. Um... People can understand it's not, it's not the fifty thousand dollar gifts. Yep. It's some little kid in some class that some teacher said, "Let's make something that makes those guys feel good out there." Mm -hmm. So, uh, how there can you help? There are different ones that are creative that come out. Like one lady, she had a big basket, and this is on the routes that we're on, and um, she went. She was at one stop where she lived, and she had these little packets of, uh, you rub it on, and it will help relieve the pain and everything given to the men and the women and stuff. Because they they do hurt. They have pain, you know. It's a very hard ride and stuff. And they, they these aren't young men and women. And so, and then another, um, I think they um, uh, handed out some kind of a, Nick, well, they give away like sunscreen. Yeah, and lip just balm. different things. Okay, uh -huh. well, I want to point something out to people if if they haven't clued into this, the run for the wall is for veterans. Yes, who have served our country. They ha are getting together and riding across America to be in Washington D.C. on Memorial Day. That's it to honor veterans. Right. This is why they're doing what they're doing, to remember their fallen brothers and sisters. Yes. When M25 joins in to support Run That's for the Wall, are. what you're doing is saying, we're honoring you and we're supporting you as you head to D.C. to honor your fallen and your missing in action. That's right. So it's a big deal. It it's a really is. big deal. Okay, we're going to be back right after this break, but I want to really encourage you look up M25 and get behind what they're doing with that. And we'll tell you more things that you can do. We've got a lot to talk about in the next hour because I know there's a lot we didn't cover. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're back. I'm still here with Gary and Carolyn, and we're not done talking about Run for the Wall no. and something that I don't know if some people probably haven't ever heard of is Rolling Thunder. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Rolling Thunder is the event that we join on the Sunday prior to Memorial Day. And um, it's a ride, it's actually, Amy, to be honest, it's a protest ride. Uh, you can't parade down Washington, D.C. streets. You can protest, but you can't parade. And so it's a protest ride that 
the government hadn't brought all of our boys home. That's right. It was started by a man who was upset and still is because there are a lot of Thousands. MIAs missing in action that their families know nothing. Nothing. And, it, and it's for decades, decades. Yes. And our government, Carolyn and I was got to escort a soldier from World War Two that his body was buried with the Germans. And through DNA, they found out he was there. And we got to, and the U.S. would not escort this soldier home. They would only take him so far. And what had happened, he had crossed, he was raised in Canada, just, I mean, what was it, 20 miles across the border, 30 miles across the border. And when he graduated high school, came to the U.S., uh, war broke out. He signed up to serve the United States Army. And they shipped him over, and he's in France, and he gets killed and gets mixed up with Germans. And our government wouldn't pay to take him across the line. And so a bunch of us run for the wall guys went up there and escorted him home. You know, it's about making the government stand accountable for our men and women who are missing in action and prisoners of war that never been accounted for. And I've had people... They asked me, so what difference does it make? And I, it's all I can do to not yell at them and hit them. <laughs> you know, do you not understand the word closure? If you never have closure, you know, these, a family that their, their son has never been recovered. They don't know, was he, was he a prisoner of war? Was he killed? Did he live? What, what happened to him? Mm-hmm. Those, those questions are swarming in their head. And when a prisoner of war or an MIA man, and they're and they're still finding them, um, when the, one of that ha- one of those men or women has been recovered, it brings closure to that family. And we go up there. There's, uh, I, you know, you hear numbers everywhere, but there's close to a million of us. So Rolling Thunder joins the the protest ride through Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. With Rolling Thunder. Yes. Run for the wall. We go up there and we join them in their effort. Okay. R- Rolling Thunder started one year and then 31 years ago. And 30 years ago, Run for the Wall started. And so it was a bunch of veterans, a guy named Gunny. We call him Gunny. His name's James something or another. <laughs> and he lives over in South Carolina. But he was in California at the time, and he says, we need to join Rolling Thunder. And so he got a bunch of his Vietnam buddies together, and they rode across country, and the rest is history. Now thousands of people do it every year. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, an incredible opportunity for people to show their support for our military. And um, we have broadened it this year. They, matter of fact, two days ago, they just released the new logo for Run for the Wall. And it's going to incorporate not just Vietnam, but, you know, Desert Storm, the Iraqi freedom, the Afghanistan battles, you know, all of the different wars, because we recognize that the Vietnam veteran is getting older and we've got to pass this on Mm -hmm. to the baton on. And while they I was talking to the board of directors president the other day and he said, while the Afghanistan 
soldier appreciates and honors the Vietnam soldier, they haven't wasn't treated like the Vietnam soldier, so they don't want to act like the Vietnam mm -hmm. soldier. So they don't get involved with Run for the Wall mm -hmm. because it's all about Vietnam. So the Vietnam brothers have laid down that mantra and mm -hmm. saying, okay, let's go and let's make it a broader scope. Mm -hmm. But because it, it's still MIAs and POWs, right. the thousands of them that are out there. And, you know, Amy, um, I got, uh, I was blessed to go to the 35th anniversary of the Vietnam Wall just a couple of months ago. It was in November. And, uh, what, on Veterans Day? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, I stood uh, Thursday night before Veterans Day um, on a stage in front of the Vietnam Wall with 56,000 plus names behind me, 58,000 names behind me, and I read 30 names off. And it was cold, it was like 40 something degrees, low 40s, and it was drizzling rain. They had to give me uh, a plastic sheet to cover the paper so I could read the names. And I'm standing in line and I'm thinking, this is miserable. And I got to thinking about the Vietnam soldier. Mm -hmm. You know, the nights that he slept with nothing but a, a, a raincoat over him in the monsoon. You can actually... Uh, envision pictures of that from yeah. the Vietnam War. Them all, all of them wearing these rain. Yeah, because it just rained, mm -hmm. and and uh, I mean, it was hard. It was emotional. Just prior, no, it was the next night. One of uh, another M25 brother read thirty names, and he read the names Rock was supposed to read. I read Thursday night. Rock was supposed to read Friday night, but Rock had a motorcycle wreck, and mm -hmm. so. Um, Rock's helmet. Once you have a motor, when you, once you wreck with a helmet on, you're not supposed to wear that helmet anymore. It, it loses its integrity. Mm -hmm. And so he took his helmet off and he said, "Guys, would y'all lay this at the wall for me? Since I can't be there for the 35th anniversary." And so before he was kind of in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, he's still in the hospital. And so he signed it. We signed it, and we placed it at the wall. Very emotional. Mm -hmm. And then the next. Uh, Tuesday, we took uh, a pickup load of diapers to Walter Reed Hospital. And those young veterans, you know, coming out with one leg and one arm and kids. Uh, just is. kids. Yeah. And they look at us, they say, what are y'all doing here? You know, biker tire, baby diapers, <laughs> you know, what are y'all doing? Well, Listen, we rode across America in 50 hours, less than 50 hours, and collected all these diapers, and we wanted to come up here and help relieve some of the financial pressure on you. We want to give you some diapers and some baby wipes. And to watch their faces, wow. Because they all have kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the blessings of being able to <clears throat> honor uh, the real heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's a great thing, and if we could ever do anything, you know, um, I know you have a burden to help the veterans, and uh, you asked me about it. Um, we've put into motion. Uh, we're not a big church, 
You know, we only have about 1,700 churches around the country. Um, but what they call our tribe, um, we're trying. And uh, they asked me to help them. And we now, within the, by the end of January, we will have on our website, if a pastor needs help in how to perform a funeral for a veteran, We'll have um, an example from a, Viet- from a man who served 23 years in the military as a chaplain. He's going to have a sermon on there that'll give you the, at least some points to start mm-hmm. from. We'll have links on there where you can get the Patriot Guard riders who will escort that soldier to the funeral, from the funeral home to the church and from the church to the cemetery by motorcycles. We have a link on there to, to contact the bagpipe people in your area, the trumpeters or, or the bugler. Um, we'll have links on there to help you. Um, Rock has written a sermon on how to honor the veterans. We'll give you some speakers. If you would like to have a speaker that is served in the military or men that know how to speak to veterans uh, we'll have links to connect with them we're we want to help the the people out there um and uh, they can contact us just through you guys let us know or they can go right to your website they can go right to our website mm-hmm. mission m25.org mm-hmm. you know we're here to help uh we we don't like I think you said a while ago, Carolyn and I don't just ride our motorcycles around, you know, and um, had a guy that spoke last Sunday. We were in a, our home church and the speaker was, um, he's a pastor of the biker church there in Amarillo. And, and um, he was talking about, it. he said, when I met Gary, he was on a motorcycle pulling a little trailer with nothing more than a vision in his heart, you know, and. I wanted to stand up and tell him, you know, everybody looks at that and thinks, oh, that's so grand. But, you know, it's been a lot of nights in a tent. It's been a lot of nights, you know, away from her. Mm-hmm. A lot of nights where I felt like I needed to be home that I wasn't. Um, I'm not crying, A lot Amy. of nights where she wishes you were home yeah. and you yeah. couldn't be. We're not whining about no. it, but there's a price tag to be paid. That's right. And if you're contribution to somebody including the king of kings doesn't cost you something then it has no effect you know psalmist david said i will give nothing to the lord that doesn't cost me something you know and i know i closed out one of the programs yeah i was on right before i came over here uh, uh, you know it ought to cost you something Mm -hmm. i'm tired of people giving you know you take a millionaire that gives $5,000 and everybody goes, oh, I've got $5,000. That was, that was chump change to that man. Mm-hmm. You know, That's why the, it, it widows, cost us. the widow's might is That's so it. important. Yes. She gave everything so she had. It's yeah. got to cost mm-hmm. us something. Mm-hmm. And these veterans, they know that Mission M25 loves them. Those veterans know what cost is. That's right. Yes, they do. It is. You know, it's not just during their tour of duty that they've paid a price. Some with their life, some with a lost limb. <laughs> Many horrendous things that could happen. But 
for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. yeah. dealing with the memories of the things that they saw mm-hmm. and trying to live a normal life. I am amazed at the people that look at the veterans and say, that was 40 years ago, they already get over it. Again, it's some of those times that I have to bite my tongue and control my temper mm-hmm. because somebody say something ugly to them and they'll carry that for years, you oh, know? Okay, just so if anyone's watching and that is their, their attitude, I can only encourage them to ask the Lord to give them a heart of compassion because that's his heart. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have a heart of compassion towards someone, no matter what they've been through, no, no matter who it is, no matter what they've been through, no matter when it was, yeah. that event, even a small children, it affects you for the rest of yes. your life. Yes. The Lord can help you learn how to overcome it but it doesn't mean that it's gone out of your head. Mm -hmm. It means that every day you have to make the choice to go on, to trust the Lord. And there's no quick fix for anything. He can heal our heart. It's a new normal that they have to learn to live. Mm -hmm. Um, A different normal. And each one of them has a different new normal that they have to deal with in learn to live with that mm-hmm. constantly and, so, and and it's not that it is just that one time it's over a period of time just like in our lives we have to readjust we have to because life is ever changing yes it is it is mm-hmm. and just when you think you got things figured out it changes again that's right mm-hmm. you know i praise god for change because when things are bad the good news is they can change. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so you've mentioned the diaper run a few times. So you've yeah. got to talk about that, and then we've got to talk about your trip to Europe, yeah, or I'm not going to find out anything. I was looking at the clock, and I thought, we, we've sure talked about this a long time. But I enjoy, this is certainly something we've dedicated our life to, is yes. run for the wall. And um, the diaper run, uh, if the guys would, let me just show you a picture of the diaper run and the results of what we had this year. I'm pretty excited about what we got to accomplish, you know, coming across country. With all of the hurricanes that took place, we still had a record um, giving. Baby wipers. Yeah, 96,000 diapers. Wow. 115,000 baby wipes and over 17,000 in cash that we raised. And we didn't even get to go the route that we normally go. And I put this up here, Liberty Christian Center, because they gave 28% of the diapers, and this is a church of 30 people. What? Mm-hmm. 30 people. Where is this place? In Oklahoma, Mid- Midwest City. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're, they average, I think, what'd you say? 65, what's their average 70, age? Yeah. 65, 70, yeah. 65, 70? Yeah, there's about 30, 35 of them. We feel like the kids when we go there, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm but, trying to do the math on that. Just looking at the numbers going, it's 30 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you look at how many diapers there are. That's almost a thousand diapers per person. Per person. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you even buy that many diapers? They don't. What they do <laughs> is they go to work. 
Well, and they at their jobs, they're excited about what's going on, mm-hmm. and people want to contribute and help them with it, and so they just say, bring them. Or so say, they are collecting the diapers, and then then they're giving them to you. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, at, they we don't get them until the time of the diaper run. Right. Yeah. yeah. The run is actually the collection. It's yes. the collection yes. run. Right. They have one room uh, specifically uh, for all the diapers and the wipes and stuff like that. And at then, the church. Yes, yeah. at this church. And then there was two ladies that made uh, over 30 um, baby they crocheted 30 baby blankets. Oh, uh, yeah. Another lady, because of a business deal, uh, they sent it, this to them. Uh, I think it was like 50 or 60 booties for babies. So it's incredible what this little church is doing in the age of them. And they, they are so excited. I mean, they, have, they are pumped for sure. Okay, so where are these babies that are benefiting from the diapers, the booties, and the blankets? Falcon, North Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell and me about we, it. We know they can't handle, it's not a ministry big enough to handle 115,000 baby wipes and 96,000 no, diapers. Uh-uh. So what we want them to do is give it to other groups. Mm-hmm. And then when Hurricane Irma mm-hmm. hit um, Costa Rica. Po- uh, Puerto Rica, Puerto Rica. Uh, the pastors over there sent a list over of things that they needed. There was 11 of our churches over there were hit. And they sent a list over of things that they needed. You know what the top two items were? Baby wipes and diapers. So we sent 55,000 baby wipes and 55,000 diapers to Puerto Rico. Wow. I mean, it was just the hurricane hindered us, and then the hurricane helped us. And and we were able to show people that we love them and show that God loved them. Meet another need. It it was just so cool, you know. And the Lord has uh, helped us touch a lot of people that we'll never see, you Mm -hmm. know. And... um, it's a real blessing. But that's okay, because, you know, the, the coolest thing is it, to know that the Lord has his eye on you, and he's watching out for you. And, in fact, he's planning ahead for you for things you didn't even know you were going to need. Absolutely. Yeah. And here it is. Yeah. He just handed it to you. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's, it's a, what a blessing to know that the Lord does that. Yeah. No matter who you are. That's right. <laughs> that little, that little, well, little girl, and, and uh, we do need to switch over to Israel. And Drew, okay. But this one little girl stood up and told her story at the, when we presented the diapers and stuff on a Monday night before Thanksgiving. And she said, you know, I was a straight A student, top of my class, for some reason took a left-hand turn. People do that. And she said, uh, my family was disappointed in me. I got pregnant out of wedlock. I'm drug addict. Uh, my boyfriend, I told him I was going to get an abortion. He said, please don't abort our baby. I'll raise it. And she said, I didn't know where to go, how to, what to do. And she ended up in our home. Um, she ultimately straightened her life up, gave her life to the Lord and has renewed her relationship with her parents. And she said, you know, one thing about it, M25 made sure that I didn't have to buy any diapers or baby wipes. And, you know, when she said that, it just, like, sealed the deal. This is good stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Had one guy, the guy that bought the pickup, walked out and he said, if nobody else was blessed, 
through all the work, that, all the stuff we went through, that one girl made it all worthwhile mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And, and it, we say it all the time, if Jesus would have had to die just for me, he would have still come. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's uh, awesome to be able to see that one little testimony yes. there. And, but and, see, that girl is a really good example of one of the things that you guys have your hand in to do. Because you, when people make mistakes in their life, and they take that left turn. And they think there's no hope. Mm -hmm. They will turn around. Yeah. If the church is there. Yep. If we're there. Mm -hmm. To greet them and help them. Yeah. When they need it. Okay. So after... Yeah, we is, did. Wait, is stuff about the diaper run also listed on the M25? Yeah, all site? of that's listed on the on Mission M25 website. Okay. And, um, you know, we, we finished Run for the Wall on Sunday mm -hmm. and jumped on our bikes Monday and took off for Montreal, Canada. Mm -hmm. And got there and put our motorcycle on an airplane. And You're making that all sound easy. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite all that no, easy. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, but we put our bikes on an airplane, and and it just amazed me. We flew with them to London. In the cargo hold. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And, uh, Very glamorous. Forty-five yeah. minutes after we landed, we had our motorcycle. Yeah. Wow. Now I'm going to tell you, driving in London was a little bit of a challenge, but because you have to get on the wrong, side, wrong of the road. side of the road, you think backwards the whole time you're there. And uh, but we uh, went to Scotland. Uh, we visited William Wallace. I'm a I'm a William Wallace fan, and uh, goodness, it was incredible. We she got to go through a castle. Um, I'm not much into just looking at stuff to look at stuff and. So we stood outside, a couple of us, and another, two of them went through the castle. And, and um, Which castle did you see? Do you remember? Lordy. It was in Scotland. It, it was know. in Scotland. I'm sorry. There's I don't, a lot of castles There were several yeah. that we went through, and I don't remember that particular. I don't remember any of them, to be honest with you. That's terrible. <laughs> it, it, it was right. But, it, you could see William Wallace Memorial from the castle. Yes. It was that close. And so that, it was raining. It was miserable. And so we didn't go very far out of the way. Yeah. And, um, but to go there, you know, one of the guys bought me a William Wallace replica sword. Wow. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful. I mean, it was very expensive. And the thing is, stands, it hits me on the shoulders. Wow. He was six foot eight. Wow. And we stood there thinking, God, help us to live a life that challenges people to love the king more than life itself. Because William Wallace loved the freedom of Scotland more than he loved his own life. Yeah. And he was a young man. Yeah, 35 years old when he died. Mm -hmm. You know, and he never got to marry his love. You know, he, just the story is lying. If we could live that as Christians, mm -hmm. you know, I, we uh, we got to go through Winston Churchill's thing while we were in London. Mm -hmm. You know, his memorial. And we watched the movie the other night called uh, The Darkest Hour. How is that? Oh, you great. Right. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's great. And because where he worked um, in 
did all of his stuff was down like in a tunnel type thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's, and it's still there. And so they was explaining all this thing. So when we're seeing all the different colors of phones and we go, oh, that means, you know, that each color means, uh, rep represents different calls that they're making out to the government or to Russia or whatever. And it, it was just, it was just unique, you know, and just see the movie and put all that together and being there, it just, so course, you're telling us we have to go to London no. and go to Winston Churchill's <laughs> Did you place like, yes. before watching the movie. We'll of get course. more out of it. <laughs> of course. Hey. But anyway, it was, um, you know, God just kept opening up the doors for us to be a part and see things that um, we wasn't even expecting, you know, until we got there. Okay. So you know why that happens? Because you're you're being obedient and you're making a sacrifice to do what the Lord has called you to do. And you know, it, it's, it's a price. Yeah. There's a price to be paid. Mm -hmm. And you're still willing to do it. Even after you're paying the price, you're still willing. And he surprises you along the way with just wonderful little things. Yeah. That just absolutely. bless your socks off because just like knowing he always is preparing to meet your needs before you ever need them. Mm -hmm. He is preparing to bless you before you ever get to that spot. That's oh, right. I'm going to, I'm, yeah. I want to do this for them. Yeah. yeah. It was and you're right. And there's people that looked at us and said, Whoa, I wish I could afford to do that. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the deal is, is two things that I tell them. Number one, Whoa. you look at us going across Europe, riding with Jewish people, but you, won't do anything in your community. You don't go to, when I was home last week, I went underneath the bridge. It was five degrees below zero. You know, I do it at home. You know, Carolyn and I stood in a line at the county jail last Thursday night for 30 or 40 minutes trying to get in and they wouldn't let us in. Um, one of the rules that the guy had already had his maximum number of visits and we didn't know it. And so the point is, is if you can't do what you do at home, don't expect God to open it up for you to do it Elsewhere. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, 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 the Bible's very clear, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. Mm -hmm. If you don't start in Jerusalem, don't, if you don't start in your home, don't don't expect God to open up a door for you to do something way out there that's glamorous. You know, um, we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. You know what we actually did? We went down and I took out an $8,000 credit card and she took out an $8,000 credit card. And we said, you know what, if we have to, we'll make payments on that thing. Mm -hmm. we, we, we believe we're supposed to go and we don't care if their money's there or not. We're going to go. And. It was amazing. <laughs> we got to, got over there, and the Maccabea paid over sixty percent, seventy percent of all of our costs mm -hmm. while we were there. Wow! And you yeah. had no idea. We had no idea. No. I think we paid what for four motel rooms. I think so. The whole time we were four, gone yeah. in six weeks. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing. We got to London. I said, "Hey, can we? We have a, a missionary over there," and I said. We'd like to hang out with you guys, and if you could use us, we'd like to share the M25 story in London. You know, what, what God's done with us. He says, sure. By the way, we've got a house you can stay in. 
Well, we stayed two weeks in London for free, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. And, and then we just, people, the food. It was I sold all the way across yeah. Europe. Yeah. You know, we would pull in the Maccabea. Are you familiar with Maccabea? Maccabea, It doesn't Maccabi? matter if I am or not. You need to tell okay. people what the that Maccabea is. The Maccabea games are games for Jews because they weren't allowed to participate in some of the Olympics. Okay, we're... we're the name Maccabea is tied to the Maccabees, so you're talking the Hanukkah story as well. And a lot of why all that happened was because the Jewish people were being Greekized, right? In their games. They, they, I don't know, you know more history no, about it than I know. But that's where the name is originally coming from, <laughs> Olympics, yeah. and that's why they chose the Maccabees. Yeah, and so... The Maccabea is the organization that puts on the Maccabi games. Mm-hmm. Took us a long time to figure that out. <laughs> and so it's like, what is it, 10,000 um, athletes. athletes from mm-hmm. 80 countries that were all Jews. Wow. And in 1931, a group of guys got on motorcycles and rode from Jerusalem to Germany promoting the first Maccabea games. And so uh, the Maccabi paid for our expenses so that we could promote the Maccabea games. And we carried the torch from London all the way into Israel. So, and it was the one that was lit and carried in the um, ceremony at the Maccabea um, ceremony of the games before they started. And how many people were in your motorcycle group? There was, there was um, 16 of us. Uh-huh. And um, we, were, we were very blessed because the, um, they allowed us as Christians to ride with them. Oh yeah, that's you know, amazing. Now there was some Jewish riders that would not participate because we were with them. They had signed up, and when they found out Christians was going to join, they said, no, we're not going to ride with you. And so it was kind of a... There's still some healing that needs to be done. It does. And, well, you know, what grabbed the Baron is they, 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 we had, I had a TV camera in my mouth in front of me constantly, you know. And now, why are you here? Are you enjoying your vacation? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. Uh-huh. And I, by the second day, I was already fed up with it. And so that's when I said at the Baron's house, I want to talk. And they could tell. I mean, I didn't say it hateful, but I said it sternly. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay. And I stood up and I said, I want it very clear. We are not on a vacation. We are not on a holiday, because they would use that word. I said, we're here because we as Christians want you to know that we support Israel and that we love you. That's it. No other deal. We're not here for any political agenda. We're not here to proselyte you. Oh, so that work that needs to be done, you were actually doing it. Yeah. And... (laughs) It's amazing the look on their faces when they finally got it. You know, I've had uh, quite a few people tell me that 
the Jewish people have been for so long treated badly by Christians that when Jews living in Israel hear that Christians are doing things that support them, that are doing things just because they love them, they're in absolute shock over it. And I'm, I'm not kidding. You're right. Yeah, we know that. So this is what you're facing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it was a, a, amazing, wasn't it, to it watch was. their faces. It was. You know, um, when they really realized that we were there not to proselyte them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very important. Very important. Uh, if they would, let me show you a picture, um, a PowerPoint thing that I put up. Uh, this was taken at a stop where a bunch of uh, Jews had died in a fire um, just outside of Haifa. But I put up in the PowerPoint ball name, Living Love with No Agenda. And we were just loving them without an agenda. We weren't there to to proselyte them. And when they grabbed a hold of that, down at the bottom, they handed us a book and it's talked about a memorial in Jerusalem that was built for the Gentiles that saved their life, saved Jews' life during the Holocaust without hope of financial gain or evangelistic motives. And so what I had presented to our team, I I got our team together in London and I said, why are we here? They said, we're here to build relationships with the Jews. And I said, okay, why are we here to build a relationship with the Jews? And they said, so we can share our faith. And I said, won't you get back on your bike and go home? I said, that's not why we're here. And they just kind of looked at me. I said, I know that's what your pastors have taught you, that you build relationships so that you can share your faith. But that's, that is undermining, that's manipulative. Yes, it is. I said, we are here to build relationships with them because we want to build relationships with them because we love them. You know, something really hit me uh, a minute ago about how what you're doing with the veterans is to honor the veterans for what they did. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and you're not asking anything of them. You're just serving them, showing them love and respect and honor. The same thing is true when it comes to our debt to the Jewish people. That's right. Without the Jewish people, we would have no Bible. That's right. Without the Jewish people, we would have no Messiah. Without the Jewish people, we wouldn't have the God of Israel. That's right. We owe them. Without the Jewish people, we would not have the defense. They're the first line of defense. That's right. And, you know, I'm very clear when I share that, you know, we need to be thankful that they are where they are. One, for the IDF, we could be in a lot more trouble than we're in. Mm -hmm. I wear a T-shirt. I got my first trip with um, back in 2011 over there. Wasn't our first trip to Israel, but with this group. group. And it says, don't worry, America, we've got your back, mm-hmm. you know, and it's got two airplanes flying. Israel's behind you. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm watching people when they read that and the look on their face, you know. Um, you know, I, I just want people to realize that the Jewish people were chosen by God for a task, mm-hmm. and that was to do exactly what we're supposed to be honoring them for doing that I just talked about. Right. 
that's what they were chosen for, to be a light to the nations mm -hmm. with these things. Yeah. That being said, as the chosen people, if you don't think that they're still chosen to be a light to the nations, take a look at who wins all the Nobel Prizes. Take a look at the technology that we enjoy that comes out of Israel. Yeah. yeah. They're yes. amazing. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. We owe them. We do. We owe them honor. We owe them respect. We owe them the love of the Lord. Yes. And that, I think that was one of the things that we enjoyed the most was just expressing that we, we honor you. We yes. thank you. Mm -hmm. And over and over, we would say, thank you for allowing us to be here. Mm -hmm. And they would look at us and like, what? You're spending your money coming over here? We are thankful you're here. Yeah, but you didn't have to let us into the country. You didn't have yeah. to. We've been treating you pretty bad for a couple thousand years. Yeah. You know? Let me show you another picture, Amy, okay. that, that tells the story, I think, uh, pretty well what we did. Um, they, when they had Shabbat meal, we participated with them. Now, Carolyn and I and our team have a no alcohol standard. We don't condemn people who drink wine and have a drink. That's, that's their business. Well, that's good. You'd be condemning Jesus himself. Right. <laughs> so for me, I tell them, I just told them the easiest way I know to explain it, it's like a Nazareth vow for me. I'm just not going to take any strong drink. And that made everything okay. So mm -hmm. they would, we would take the partake of the Shabbat meal with them mm -hmm. and we would drink our grape juice and they drink their wine and we had a great time. Mm -hmm. Then on a Sunday, no, it was on Saturday, while they were celebrating, uh, two of the Jews, the, the family who actually had the dream for this Ride for Solidarity, took us to Jerusalem. And the other guys with us had never been to Israel before, so they wanted to go visit some of our sites. Mm -hmm. So he took us, and if you'll notice, the Jews are partaking communion with us. That's crazy. That's the, crazy. On the bottom left. Yeah. But yes. because we honored them, they honored us. They asked us. They said, we, we told them what we were going to do, and, um, and we said, do you think that they could get the elements ready for us? And he goes, I'll check on that. So he did, and he came to Gary. He goes, would you mind if my fam family and I took with you? He goes, we want to take communion with you guys. And we go, all I could do was just cry. I thought, God, you are so awesome. You know, and that's, so that, that's not to say that he turned his life around no. and he's now this. Well, we also have to remember that they can only recognize Messiah if he reveals himself. Mm -hmm. And he says that the eyes of the Jewish people have been blinded in part for the sake of the Gentiles. And you're saying about their eyes being blinded. He told us, he goes, when I go back in part, to Russia, in part, yeah. in part he said, when I go back to Russia, Romania, Romania, I'm sorry, thank you, Romania, I'm going to read the Bible again with different eyes. Yes. He said, I'm going to look eyes. at it different, mm -hmm. you know, and it, for them to partake with us, mm -hmm. you know, we were so humbled. Yes. Um, all of us got messed up over it, you know, and <laughs> the, the love, mm -hmm. my gosh, the, the bond, you know, um, I was going to say it later, but I'm just going to put it in here. He's already bought his airplane ticket 
we're doing a ride for solidarity here in the United States next this year. What we've done is we Christians went to Europe. Some of the European Jews are coming to America, mm -hmm. and we're going to ride across America. We're going to leave uh, Los <laughs> Angeles and ride old Route 66 to Chicago. And we're going to stop at synagogues, and we're going to stop at churches and along the way. And then when we get to Chicago, uh, the Lord put a, a man. He's not a rabbi, but he's a financial leader of a Hostage. institution in a Jewish institution in New York City. And he's going to host us when we get to New York City. And this will all be happening in October of 2018. And then in 2019, the, the plan is, is we'll go to Europe. And we'll ride in the Maccabea ride again. And it will be held in Budapest. Every second year, it's in Europe. And then the two years later, it's back in Jerusalem. That's how the Maccabi works. And so um, wow. and it's just amazing what God's put together. You know, and yeah. um, we, we stay in close contact with each other. Uh, he wished us Merry Christmas. We wished him Happy Hanukkah. You know, I mean, it's just just a cool thing that's going on. And Amy, I think you can see the dumb look on my face at times. I don't know enough of the history and I don't have time to go study at all. I've tried to read. I'm just going to live life, you know, and I can't say their names. You know, <laughs> his name is this about this long. And so I just call him Max. You know, and he's good with it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I want to give him my heart. Mm -hmm. And if that's not good enough, I'll stay mm -hmm. home. You know, I, that's all I know to do. And so far they've received it, haven't they, they honey? Have, they have, and, um, graciously. Yeah. People receive that the best. You know what? Gary, you're so silly. The reason I know the stuff that I know is because that's where God has me. I, right. He makes sure that I know what I need to know. He does. Yes. He's always done that. You don't need to know the stuff I have to know right. to do my job. Right. right? Right. But the one thing people always receive, hopefully, is love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're really good at that. I hope. I would sure try. <laughs> I, uh, we we mm. have given our, we don't know what else to do. Um, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> the, the next picture, um, I wanted the people to see that they, the Jews did honor us. They let us go baptize the brothers that was with us in the Jordan River. And that was really a cool experience. Mm -hmm. and, and then the top right corner, those are two American Jewish ladies from Los Angeles that had a son competing in the Maccabea games and this is one of our Christian writers in the middle of M25 brother called A-Rod he's been on our program and he's telling the story of why we're doing what we're doing and before we get there we're at the Masada and it's 118 degrees yeah it's real hot down there and we're pouring sweat off of us and he's over there telling this story and these two ladies start leaking he starts leaking and they just give each other hugs, and then they pull money out of their pocket and give it to him. <laughs> to help him with his trip. To help him with the cost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then down at the bottom, we, on the right-hand side, we, the, they made sure that we got to go. And 
Amy, it's the first time I've been to Israel that I really had an opportunity to go to the Wailing Wall and pray. Because I'm always being interviewed or have business I've got to take care of. I didn't have any responsibilities this time. I was just there riding and loving people. So you were on holiday. I was. <laughs> and so we, the four of us got to go down and spend time praying. And then the, on the left-hand side, that's what the Jewish brother gave us at the communion site. We were grafted in. Mm -hmm. And he, he gave us a saying, you're a part of us, you know. Mm -hmm. I, it, was just, it was just cool. And so yeah. I want to make sure we got that picture in. That's pretty cool. Uh, it is. And uh, we're kind of running out of time. I want to show you a couple more pictures, okay? okay. Let's go to another picture. This is in um, Dachau. Oh, yeah. really? That's the gate. Work makes free. We don't have time to develop all of that, but that's why they got how they got the Jews in there. Mm -hmm. You remember we're walking through there as Christians and Dr. Martin Luther, the founder of getting us the Bible, was also the one that Hitler used to turn the Christians against in Germany, mm -hmm. against the Jews. Mm -hmm. And I'm living with all of this. The picture in the top left-hand corner, I'm going to try to do this very quickly. That is the memorial built to the Jewish people. They have a, a Catholic memorial, they have a Protestant memorial, and they have the Jewish memorial in Dachau. We've gone through all of this. We've gone through the place where the building where they stripped them, where they shaved them, where they gassed them, and we've stood in front of the incinerator where they burned them. And we've left there, and we're now down in Dachau's memorial for the Jewish people. They've played the song that mourns the dead. Mm -hmm. They have prayed. I th and Amy, you, you may need to help me here. It's Kaddush, Kaddish. And they've prayed that. And then he, the guy that's to my right, I'm in the middle. The guy to my right is the counterpart who put this together. The guy that's real tall to the left, the three of us organized this event. And the guy to the left has just left the incinerator, and Carolyn saw him. I didn't see him, but he was kneeling over it, out of the way, sobbing because of his family that died there. We're in this intense moment, and there, he said, we're going to have a moment of silence. And then he looked at me, and he said, and we want you to say something. Amy, I've never felt such pressure in my life. They were weighing on every word that I said. It was either going to drive them further away or pull them closer to us. And the Holy Spirit, I thought, God, what do I say? What do I do? And the Holy Spirit just reminded me of what he had been talking to me about as I was walking down toward that memorial. And I said, you know, our Bible tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens. And I said, if I can stick my shoulder underneath your burden, if us shipping our motorcycles over here and riding across the country with you has helped carry your burden any at all, of what this Dachau represents to the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. It's been worth it. And we all shed a few tears together and they hugged us and they thanked us uh, for carrying that burden with them. Mm -hmm. And so that was the tone 
of of what we did. I think that was the third or fourth day that we were in Dachau. And uh, to have the Holy Spirit to fill our mouth mm -hmm. with words that meant something, not not hollow words, but words that had meaning, that had value. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, it was an incredible moment. And what's amazing is those words were actually drawn from Scripture. Yeah. And being obedient to what Scripture says, not because you are even trying to be obedient, mm -hmm. but just because when you're really letting the Word wash you and wash you and wash you, to make you a clean new person, yeah. it becomes a part of you where what the things that you're doing are naturally conforming to the word. And yeah. that's what happened. And yeah. that's why the, the word just came up. Yeah. Just exactly what I was telling you, Gary, is you were walking down through here. That's what you're to tell them. Yeah. It's, it's a... Uh, God's amazing. He is an amazing God. Mm -hmm. And the thing was is that they trusted Gary in what he had to say because of our time with them already mm -hmm. and by his example and our group example mm -hmm. and they became they've trusted us to talk and to minister to them in the times of the greatest needs, you know. And um we have Kleenex if anyone needs them now. I'm sure yeah. he does. Yeah. You can hand her the box. Oh, okay. You know, one of the things, though, the reason that they trusted you, because you had already spent time with them. Yes. They knew that you weren't there with an agenda. Yeah. Or they wouldn't have trusted you. And that would have been the last place on the planet that they would have asked you to speak a word. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we've only got a few minutes. Um, Corey, if you would throw that next picture up there. And um, Carolyn, if you can do this in a couple of minutes. Um, the top left-hand corner is a guy who rode with us, um, a suicide bomber. I'm going to let Carolyn talk just a minute about that. But to the right is the bronze shoes in Budapest. Um, that's where they took the Jews and lined them up at the river and made them take their shoes off and shot them. And they went into the river, but they wanted to save their shoes because they could re, you know, get other Jews to wear them. And they bronzed the shoes and put them by the riverbed there in Budapest. And um, that's the Baron's home in the bottom left. And then that's the Munich Olympics where we stopped. Um, and Carolyn, if you'll tell real quickly about the, the gentleman bomber. in the black, this is his, t his two daughters. And um, the one in the middle, uh, she was with her mother and her 18-month-old baby. And they were um, just walked from their home into a little area where they could have tea and a little um, biscuit or whatever they have. And during the time of their visit out in, on, in the little round table out in front of the store, uh, a guy came in. He was a suicide bomber. And he threw a bomb at, right in front of them, and it killed the 18-month-old baby and the mother, his wife. And uh, she talked about how they did not allow 
the suicide bombers at any time to rob them of life. Mm -hmm. And she said, so what I did, I gave life two, two other times. She had two other children. And, you know, walking through it still after all these years of um, 2011. And um, so... And they have a memorial there and everything, a statue thing, you know, because um, it hurt uh, several people there that was there, but they, those two were killed. And but anyway, they just talked about um, different things. And, and, and again, Nathan had Gary to pray over them again out there. So it was a continuous thing that they was asking Gary to minister to them. And um, this wasn't, we was, our heart was when we left, I told Gary, I said, I know we're going to be with a lot of Jews and see them and do a lot of different things. I said, but my heart is to touch and make a difference in their lives by our life. And um, the Lord helped us with that. It was um, very moving moment and uh Nathan actually had it give us a picture and yeah. we stay in contact and it's just it's just neat uh and after uh, all this time there's still the hole there where the where it detonated and stuff uh-huh Corey, so. if you could skip two pictures we got about three minutes i'd like to skip a, a picture and go down to the next to the last picture this is the maccabea games and uh mm -hmm. 30,000 there, estimated 30,000 Jews. We kind of feel like there's more than that, but Max said there was about 30,000. Uh, they're in the arena, 10,000 athletes, 1,200 of them was from the United States and 80 countries. And Amy, that's us in the motorcycle next to that car. And um, what happened was, was we all got there to ride around the uh, arena and they said, tell every, all of the bikers, we want you to wear your yellow vest. They gave us yellow vests that said ride for solidarity on them. Well, I really didn't want that. I wanted, I wanted them to see that Christians was riding. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to see that Christians cared. And I said, Lord, this is not what I came for. And uh, just before we went out on the, uh, to make the route, the guy, the cameraman, wired down on the microphone or down on the walkie talkies he said tell all the bikers take the yellow vest off they're messing up our camera <laughs> so we got to ride around in front of netanyahu the the president i can't say the president's name but but uh you can help me with him the president of israel my mind is just a blank. went blank anyhow him and netanyahu was in the crowd they both spoke that night and here we are Christians riding around in front of them saying, we, we stand with you. And I think the last picture, if you can show that, Corey, really quick. Um, um, this is some of the people. Uh, this is, I wanted to show this picture because Carolyn was the first person to carry the lighted torch for the Maccabea Games, and she, being a Christian, got to carry that torch. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And... We rode around the arena in London with her carrying that torch, mm -hmm. and we handed it off to a Jewish athlete there on the deal. We got to we got to share moments with the president. He had to tell me a Texas joke. <laughs> uh, I mean, just really incredible. 
Um, and all I can think is that you guys actually, you each got a credit card because you knew you were supposed to go on that trip and you had no idea that they were going to pay a large portion of it once it was all over. You didn't know. You were just obedient to the Lord. You weren't out there on holiday. You were out there to serve, to be a bridge to the Jewish people, just to love them. And God bless you guys. Thank you. It's, we're, we're so honored uh, to live life. Amazing. And we're so honored that you're part of GLC. We're honored to be a part oh of GLC. My. We love we are you guys. The one that's a blast. Uh, okay, you want to hook up with M25? Get behind everything they're doing. We love you, and we'll see you again. Thank you so much, guys. This program is brought to you exclusively by the...